get into some word. Are you ready for that? All right. We, we want to get into a few things tonight. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 15 in a minute. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If you're new with us, don't know what a Bible is, don't really know your way around a Bible, they'll put those, these verses up on the screen for you. Uh, but, but I, I want to just talk to you about, obviously, healing. And, uh, you know, in a world full of problems, uh, the question is, is there a problem solver? You know, in a world full of darkness, is there anyone who gives light? You know, where, where Satan runs around, as the scripture says, seeking whom he may devour. Is there anyone to protect us? And, and what, is, what is God's role in this? And, you know, when, when, where sickness abounds and physical ailments seem to be ever increasing, even with, even with modern, you know, medical science coming up with new fixes and cures and better ways to sustain the body. Well, uh, praise God for anything that helps people, but you know, the hospitals seem to keep getting bigger. You know, it doesn't seem to be removing problems. Sometimes people live longer with more problems <laughs> or they're able to cope or, you know, medicate up longer, but there's a better way, way than, than all of that. And, and, and I believe, as, as many of you do, that God is in the healing business. He restores. He's, he's the fixer. <laughs> I mean, this is a lost, a broken, a fallen world, and many people's lives have been ravaged by sin, and uh, others have just been ravaged by things maybe they didn't, you know, choose, or at least not intentionally, but they happened to them anyway. And, and the Lord is still the one who restores, He makes new, He makes alive, He resurrects, He's still the Creator. Come on, he, he, I mean, he created in the beginning, but he can still create, you know, good things. He can create new body parts and new organs and restore things. He, he's a good God, and that's just the way that he is. And uh, so the way that this works, um, we, we could, in short, we could say God is everything, right? He's anything you need. Anything you have need of, anything you want, God's your answer. He's, he, he's, uh, he's going to be the one to fulfill that. N nevertheless, it's still important that we, uh, that we narrow down and be specific towards our own needs or wants or what we're believing God for. And, and we're able to identify him specifically in those areas. Okay. In other words, don't always just leave it generic and broad. Well, God's my everything. You know, it's like the person, you've heard me say this, I said it recently in some context, but uh, when, I, when I'll ask people, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture do you believe in? They say, well, all of them. <laughs> I'm standing on all, all the word. I'm standing on the word of God. I know, but which one in particular? Because you're really not being genuine to say you're standing on all of them. You don't even know all of them. Right? So which one or which two or something like that? And when we're relating to God and we're saying, he's my answer, he's my source, he's the all in all, he's, he, he has everything I want and need. Okay, but what in particular? Are you looking to him to do for you, in you, through you right now? What promise are you using what aspect of his character is his being or how has he revealed himself to you? And that's what you're uh, relying on, leaning on, looking to. Everybody with me? Everybody say specific, specific. Not, general. not general. 
Yeah, be specific in, in who God is to you. Now, uh, we, we do this, uh, let me say, say it this way. God has revealed himself through names. I'll give you examples of that in a, in a, in a second. Uh, he has called certain words that describe some of his very nature, his function. It's kind of like what we do with certain professions, certain trades. We label people by what they do, okay? In other words, if someone uh, puts pipes together and they work with water and the, we call that person a right? Because they plumb, right? We say they're a plumber. They would describe themselves as I am a plumber. Well, you're also a human being, but that's general. But specific here, specifically, you could you know, narrow that down. I am a plumber. I am an electrician. I am a handyman. I am a doctor. I am a, you know, a painter. I am an artist. I am a farmer. I am, by the, the activities someone engages with, we define, they define themselves and say they are that type of person or that kind of individual. God does this not because he's confused, but so that we can narrow down and be very specific in our believing. We can know, if I have a plumbing need, God's my plumber. If he were to reveal himself as Jehovah Plumber. <laughs> Which he hasn't. <laughs> not that he couldn't, but that's not specific to how he wants to be known. Everybody okay? <laughs> Some of you may know this, but just in short, just to run down some of the names that God has used for himself and revealed in various circumstances are, they're Hebrew words, depending on your translation, you might actually see that in the, written in your English Bibles. If not, it's, it's the origin of the word, but he is Shama. That means he's present or he is there. He is Shalom. And that means that he's telling you he is your peace. He is Rhea, or our shepherd. Okay? He is Jaira. You know that one, right? He's our provider. Okay? He is Nissi. Nissi. And that is he is our victory or our banner. He is Sidkanu. All right? Starts with a T. Sidkanu. And he is our, that means he is our righteousness. And so in different events happened and God would show up and the prophet would speak and say, he is the Lord our, which would, could be translated Jehovah, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom, all right, Jehovah Nisi. And in, in, in that people would say, oh, he's peace, he's wholeness, he's my victory, he's he is all these things. And so I want to read from Exodus chapter 15. And, and, and I want you to, to notice, you probably know which one we're going to read here, just by the logic of my uh, intro. Uh, Exodus 15, verse 22. This is right after the children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea. Verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Everybody say Shur. Sure. Sure. 
All right, I did that for no reason. Okay. And, and, they went, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. How many are thirsty by now? Yeah. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name was called Marah. In other words, it means bitter. All right. There was water there. Oh, good. Water. We found water. And then someone took a taste, and it was, ah, uh, it was bitter. What, what does that mean? Well, obviously not good to the taste, but there was something wrong with it. There's something in the water. There's some contaminants that are not going to be healthy for them. They're not going to uh, be able to be used by them. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Uh, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And, and there he tested them and said, If you will diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And that would be, uh, that, that would be the word Rapha. All right, with all those Hebrew words, Rapha is the Lord or who heals. The Lord, that Lord is Jehovah, heals is Rapha, okay? So he, he revealed himself that way, and this is interesting context, how he ties this bitter water and eventually talks about disease, and that's how he revealed himself in this way. I think it's interesting, the language of bitterness, not only in this context with the water, but also even in the New Testament. How many know bitterness is something we don't want? <laughs> Not just talking about what you eat, but it's some of this, it was literal, but also had a figurative component to it. And, uh, you know, people oftentimes are bitter and until Jesus gets it out of them. Until they yield themselves to a sweeter spirit. Uh, bitterness is, is something that we see... Uh, in Acts chapter 8, when, when uh, Simon the sorcerer tried to buy the power to get people filled with the Spirit, and, and it, it, was said, it, it was said of him that, uh, you know, Peter said to him, you are poisoned with bitterness. That's an interesting language. You're poisoned with bitterness. We're, we're, we're told in Ephesians chapter four, chapter 4 to put away bitterness. Talking to the believer now. To the Ephesian Christian, put away bitterness. How many think we should not be bitter? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 talks about people having a root of bitterness and because of that defiling many. You're not going to be a help to many people while you maintain bitterness inside of you. If, you're not, if you want to avoid defiling many or being a problem in many people's lives, the way to deal with it is to first deal with your own life. All right. I want to be a better, I just want to treat my spouse better. I want to treat my kids better. I want to be a better citizen, a better church member. Okay, It's not just by trying to act a different way. It's by removing bitterness from the inside. Sometimes you can identify the source. Maybe you know why you are. Maybe you're hurt by someone. Maybe you're offended at someone. Maybe someone has abused you. Maybe something in the past has taken place. But somehow, some way, you got to get before God and say, Jesus, I believe in what you've done done for me, and I'm going to cast this bitterness out of me in Jesus' name. So, so bitterness is a, a very specific thing that hurts people. And, and by the way, if you have 
bitterness. Now, obviously, we're not even talking, I'm not talking physical yet, but if you have bitterness in your soul, your soul being your mind, your will, your emotions, bitterness in your soul, that can't do very, do very, very many good things for your body. <laughs> when that's there, it's going to eventually lead to physical problems. And even if we get the physical problems healed, and we can do that tonight, get physical problems healed, but if the, on the inside you still maintain this bitterness, your problems are likely going to return. It, how many know healing can be, it ought to be permanent for the rest of our days, but it's not always the case. It's not automatically the case because people need to change. It's, it's kind of like when Jesus uh, was teaching about unclean spirits, Unclean spirits is a type of evil spirit. He said when they go out, when they're cast out of someone, when evil spirits are driven out, he said they leave and they look for buddies. Okay, paraphrasing. They walk through dry places seeking rest, find none. Then they return to the house that they left and they bring seven spirits more wicked than themselves. And if they come back and they find that, that house, and that's the person, empty, cleaned out, wide open, ready for new tenants... He said, then they move in and the last state of that person is worse than it ever was before. And so what needs to happen, whenever someone gets something bad out of their life, they must take proactive steps to fill themselves with good things. Fill themselves with the Word and the Spirit. I'm saying, even after you get healed tonight, pain leaves, you can wiggle it again, you can, you can see out of it again, you know, your body gets fixed. I don't mean that you have to be afraid of it coming back. Don't for a second. But wisdom says, uh, I want to fill my life with, with sound words. Fill my mind with healing thoughts. Yeah? And not let yourself get into a place of fear and, uh, and just any kind of bitterness. If you've got, you know, unforgiveness towards others, the bitterness towards anyone else, I want to highly recommend that you leave that here tonight too. You know, when, there, when your sickness falls off and hits the carpet, throw your bitterness down there too. Amen. Say, I'm leaving that too. We'll vacuum it up later. <laughs> all, all that junk. In other words, if the enemy comes back at you to get something, comes back at you to try to hurt, you, hurt your life again, he's going to pull up to the, you know, pull up in your driveway and see there's a lot of activity here. There's lots of, what's going on? In other words, it's not empty, swept, and garnished, ready for him to move back in. Nope, someone else moved in. Know what I'm talking about? I remember years ago, I didn't plan on saying any of this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, I remember years ago, I was at a meeting, and, and there's a young lady there, and she had, uh, uh, she had uh, female issues, female, uh, you know, time of the month was extreme, in her situation, lay up in bed for multiple days, kind of extreme cramping type of thing. And, uh, and in the service, by word of knowledge, uh, she, uh, through word of knowledge and gift of healing, she was healed and set free. And instantly that thing left her. And, and, and she said for six months, she didn't have any problems. It's just easy as, you know, cake or pie or something. Uh, <laughs> Just no problems whatsoever. And, uh, and then six months later, it returned with a vengeance. <laughs> See, in six months, all of a sudden, all those problems came back. 
But thank God in the meantime, she found out what to do, knew what to do, how to respond to that. And when it did come back, she didn't just kick back and say, oh man, I guess it didn't work. Or I guess I don't know what's going on and, and start questioning God and all that. No, she said uh, she stood up and she resisted this time. And she said, I will not take that back. In other words, the devil came knocking back at her door trying to come in. And she felt the symptoms. It was that real. And she said, no, thank you. <laughs> she said, I'm not going to receive this. I resist this in Jesus' name. And you know what happened then? It left her again and it left her permanently. And, and there's a real need. People get healed sometimes with the help of others through laying on of hands or through gifts of the Spirit. And that's wonderful. It's God. But at the same time, get your life straightened out. All right? Get some things in place to where you are, uh, you know, repellent to the, to the works of darkness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Right at the same time, I'll tell you this other story. Again, I've told you this one before, but... Uh, a uh, number of years ago, I was doing one of these healing services just like this. I, I, opened up the, uh, I opened up the service just from the very beginning of my message, saying things I wasn't intending on saying, kind of like I'm doing now. <laughs> uh, but one of the things I said that night is I just found myself saying, you know, after this service, you need to come back to church. And I, obviously I knew a lot of the people. I recognized them like I recognized many of you. I thought, well, who's this for? But there were people there I didn't recognize just like there are tonight. And uh, so I didn't know. And I just thought, this is really coming out of me. I said, you got to make sure you come back to church after, after this and keep coming to church. So I said that and exhorted in, in you know, different ways and then went on with the rest of my message. Then at the end of the service or end of the preaching time. We laid hands on the sick and had great results and so forth. Later, I got a testimony back from a woman who was a, a part of our church on a regular basis that I knew. And she said, that night when you said you were saying those things, I knew exactly who you were talking to because it was, I think it was a relative, like an aunt or someone that was with her that came that night for the service. And she had cancer and it was very serious. And I don't remember the exact details, but uh, multiple tumors throughout the body, that kind of thing. And what happened, she, she said, uh, after that, she went back and she was, you know, of course, regularly having, you know, checkups and so forth. And they told her, all the tumors are shrinking in your body. They're all shrinking. And, uh, and it was, it was uh, just a wonderful testimony. She, she was getting worse, 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 ready to die. And they all started shrinking. And then she told her, uh, she brought back to her, she said, you know, when the pastor started saying that, uh, he was talking to you. <laughs> because this person, I, I, my understanding, they were a believer in the sense of they've received Jesus as their savior, but they weren't going to church. They weren't actively going to church or, in, or involved. And so she, she told her, she said, you need to keep coming. You need to get back in there. Now, now I can... I can say why I believe that was necessary. It's this principle. You've got something knocked out of your life. You need to get full of faith and full of the word so you can stand on your own two feet. All right. Uh, anyway, she told her multiple times. And guess what? She didn't. She didn't. So she had all these, you know, these tumors, bigger, 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 bigger. From that night, smaller, 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 smaller for a, a period of time. And she had a sufficient window, I guess. I mean, I'm not in charge of that, but she was not doing what the Lord told her to do. Why did he tell her? Yeah. 
Maybe she just thought, ah, oh, that's just the preacher trying to get more people in church. That's so stupid. There's a reason preachers do what they do, and it's not selfish. I mean, someone could be, I guess, somewhere, somehow, but that's not the general thing. People go into ministry because they're obeying God and they're trying to help people. So anyway, for whatever reason, she dismissed it, didn't do it, and the end of the story is not good. The end of the story is eventually, all of a sudden, those things started getting bigger, 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 and she died. Now, if she showed, um, if she's a believer, I believe she was, she showed up in heaven and she said, why am I here? How come I didn't get healed? How many know the Lord had an answer? <laughs> well, you did. And I told you how to keep that going and how to sustain that. But you didn't bother. Right? And then no condemnation, of course. The Lord's not going to beat you up forever. That's the other place. <laughs> In heaven, you live in mercy and grace, and, and you'll understand. But she went too soon. She could have been a walking testimony. Who knows how God could have used that to reach other people. Amen. Anyway, where were we? Bitterness. Yeah, wow. There was a whole message on bitterness. The waters were bitter. That's interesting. Healing or sickness is called bitterness here. And then healing is called sweetness. The waters were made sweet. That's comparable then to a body being healed. How did they get the water from, from bitter to sweet? Here's how. Moses sought the Lord. Mo, when they, call, they were leaning on Moses, and so what's Moses going to do? He's going to ask the Lord. And the Lord showed him this tree. He showed him this tree. Put this tree in there, and it healed the water. Or the Lord, you, I don't think it was probably the tree. I don't know of, of the science. I haven't been able to find any science about trees fixing the water. Or even a certain type. Just like, you know, when the prophet put the stick or the twig in the water because the axe head fell in there. I don't think it was a special twig that magnetizes axe heads when the axe head floated. I think it's the power of God, just like the, the Moses' rod that would turn to a, a serpent. The, a, a mirror, it wasn't a certain type of wood that does that. You know, some wood, it turns into a snake if you throw it down. No, we're talking about a manifestation of the Spirit of God in regards to this. But let me ask you, uh, when we're talking about God saying, I'm Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals, why would he reveal himself to them that way? Why didn't he just leave it and say, hey, there you go, guys, fresh water, sweet water, drink up, have your fill. I've taken care of you again. Uh, why did he go on to say, I'm the Lord who heals you. Why does he want us to know that he's a healer? Well, um, why would you tell someone you're a painter? Well, probably because if they ever needed something painted, they would go to you, right? I like to know people who paint and people who fix other things, right? I like to know what you're good at because I might need you at some point. So we tell each other for, to that end, and uh, we know who to call. When it comes to the Lord, he wants us to know this about himself. 
How many know there's a whole lot of his people that don't know this about him? They don't know. They have severe painting needs. They don't know, the, they don't know who to call when they need a painter. They, don't, they have severe health problems. And they don't know that he wants them to know. That's what I do. That's my specialty. I'm, a good, I'm good at this. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Okay? So, you know, builders want to build and skiers want to ski and teachers want to teach. And God wants to, he wants to heal. Yeah, see, he wants to do other things too. He does. But it's important that we be very specific to what we need. God wants to heal people. He doesn't want to not heal people. He gets no pleasure in not doing it. it he, he wants to do it. If, if you're a healer, I mean, if you're a teacher and there's no one ever wanting to learn anything, that's a bummer. If you're a healer and no one comes to you for healing, that doesn't put a smile on God's face. He's happy when people, like Moses in this situation, said, we got water problems. The water's sick. What should we do? And the Lord says, I'm good at this. I can tell you what to do. And if you'll do what I say, you'll, 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 you'll see this. So again, God revealed himself as, I am the Lord, your healer. Watch. He didn't say, I am the Lord that doesn't heal. He didn't ever reveal himself as the not healer. I don't know what the Hebrew word for that would be. You know, I know Rapha, what would be the antithesis of Rapha? The un-Rapha? The de-Rapha? But there's not a, God never said that. He never told people, I'm the not healer. But yet some people believe he's that. He's the one you go to and don't get healed. But he doesn't not heal. That's not a verse. That's not a revelation. That's not his name. I went to the Lord and he didn't heal me. Nope, nope, nope. God's not in the not healing business. He never said I'm the not healer. He said I'm the healer. Everybody with me? Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Put that up if you will. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who? Raphas. Same Hebrew word. Who heals all your diseases. Again, there he goes, revealing himself again as the one who heals all the diseases. Not the one who doesn't heal diseases. <laughs> Amen. So why does he tell us these things? So that when we have the need, we go to him. We look not to some unreliable source, some incapable solution. We look to him. He made the body. He can heal the body. And it's what he does all the time. Now, someone might wonder, if you've ever studied the scriptures much, there are certain Old Testament passages that aren't, so, aren't as cheery on the surface. 
And they, for some people, especially those who are, you know, maybe they, they study a lot and they have, they're skeptical. I don't want you to be skeptical, but you have to have questions answered sometimes to, to not hinder your faith. For example, I've seen people uh, use this to, to question some of this. It's Isaiah 45 and verse 7, where the Lord says here, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And so th- th- that, kind of, that kind of message will for some be like, oh, well, the Lord, not only does he, is he heal, he also sometimes will mess you up. But that's not really what that verse is saying. If you think about it, I mean, first of all, step back and use your intellect for a moment. Is the Lord, who is light, who is love, who is, who is uh, life, would he also you know, be throwing problems into our life or creating negative things? It's not logical for him to be so confused. Uh, what it's really saying here when he says, I form the light and create darkness. Darkness, if you go back to Genesis, darkness was here. He created the light. How many know that defined the darkness? It wasn't, darkness is the opposite. It's the absence of light. When God creates something that's right, that's good, that's light, the opposite of it is revealed. And and so in one sense, he made it all because he made what's good and anything that's not in what he made then becomes something. Does that make sense? Anything that's, that, that's not his will. It's, this is not saying for a, for a moment that, that, um, that he is promoting or that he is originating evil or darkness or problems of, of such in any way. It's like he creates and establishes peace. And then anything that's not that would be evil. Anything that's opposite of that would, would be evil in that regard. He creates the moral order, and anything that doesn't comply to that is, of course, ugly, something wrong, okay? He creates, th- think about Genesis. Uh, if you go back to the creation account in Genesis, you'll read that he created, God said, God said, God said, and this happened, and after each thing, he would say, This is good. When did he create the evil? What day was that? Okay, when did, no, that was just anything that rebelled against what he created. Anything that that refused his goodness. So there's not a day when God created sickness. He didn't create, and on the 14th day he created back problems. And on the 15th day he created heart disease. And on the 16th day, no, no, those things weren't a part of God's, those things are all rebellion against God's creation. It's all the work of the enemy and has nothing to do. Everything that God designed, created, that's in his plan is good. That's why we can go to him with anything that's bad and say, I'm submitting this to your mighty power, your goodness, to your healing ability. I'm taking all this and bringing it under your creative power. Amen. Amen. Now now go to Mark chapter uh, 3, if you would. You got a few more minutes? My message today is called The Healer. 
That's just who God is. And what we're doing here today is right up his alley. It's what he loves to do. It's who he is. It's his very nature. He is the healer. And so we can see this to be the case in Jesus' life, in his ministry. Um, so much so that he had a reputation for it and he was very reliable. In, in verse 3, or, or Mark 3, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, and he entered a synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. How I many know this is kind of a setup? You get Jesus in the building and sick people in the building, something's about to happen. Right? Why? Because he's a healer. Right? He's not there to make anyone sick. He's there to make sick people better. And of course, the religious people of their day, these Pharisees, they had, you know, they took the Sabbath laws to such extreme that they wouldn't allow people to get healed on, on what we would call Saturday, you know, on the Sabbath day. Well, they weren't healing people on Friday or Thursday. So they're total hypocrites. Uh, but uh, they watched him closely. And verse 3, And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they, were, they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out immediately and plotted with Herodian, the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. That shows you how evil the devil is and how he gets into people's minds. Let's destroy this guy. He just healed the withered man's hand. We've got to put a stop to that. You kind of see that same spirit around the world today. But this is the Lord. He had a reputation as being the healer. They knew. We've got him. Look, withered hand. Jesus, same room. Why? That's, his, that's, that's normal business for him. You, with a disease or a problem or a physical ailment, in the presence of God, and he is here, and he's always with, but you get you guys together, who's going to fail, the healer or, or, or the sickness? The sickness is what's going to lose this battle. Amen. And so in, 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 in Exodus, is that where we were? In Exodus, uh, the waters needed healing. And so the direction of God was to add a tree. Trees fix water. Well, not always. But in this case, it was a unique choice by the Lord to direct them to put a tree because... Uh, because we know now, they probably didn't see this then, but now you look from the forward position looking backwards, you think, huh, there's something about trees. I've read a scripture about that. And it's Galatians 3.13, which tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. On a tree. What's that speaking of? That's the, what we call the cross. But it's called a tree. In other words, they added the cross to the bitter water and healing came. And how are we supposed to take that in the New Testament? You add the cross to your life. What do you mean the cross? 
Do I need to get a tree? No, it's talking about what Jesus did on the cross. It's talking about his substitutionary work where by his stripes we were healed. How Jesus became a curse. And that cross added to a bitter person's life will make them sweet. I tell you, that cross added to the sick person's life will make them whole. It's the answer. It's the solution. When we look to the Lord and say, Lord, you are the healer, period. I get it. That's what you do. You're here. How do you do that? He does that through the cross of Jesus. And we put our faith in the fact that Jesus became a curse for us. Why was he cursed? So we could be blessed. Why was he striped? So we could walk free. Why, why did Jesus take sickness and disease and all that curse upon him? So we could be healed and we could walk in wholeness. Amen. This is how the outworking of the Lord being our healer. Hallelujah. Why don't you say this with me today? Say, Father, Father I, choose I choose to believe in you, to believe in you. Specifically, specifically as the healer. As the healer. You, are you are Rapha, Rapha. My, healer. my healer. I believe, I believe that you did this. When Jesus, was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, he bore my sickness. He, bore my sickness. he, took, all my he took all my pain so that I could be blessed, I could be blessed and, not and not cursed. I could be made whole, be made whole and, not and not broken. I could be made sweet, be made sweet and, not and not bitter. I believe in you. I believe in your work, your healing activities. In my body, body, right now, now, I thank you for it. it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.